Amen. All right. Well, let's get right into the word of the Lord this morning. We're going to uh, not only be singing about uh, so sweet to trust in him, but we're going to learn to put our trust in him. Uh, launching a series this morning entitled Faith, Hope, and Love. And the greatest of these is love. And so that, of course, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I want to go ahead and start there. And I'll read several verses from there. Then we'll go ahead and uh, just share some things with you that I think will help you to build your faith, your hope, and your, your love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we hear this saying quite often at weddings, at poetic readings, and all types of ceremonies that, 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 that the reading from 1 Corinthians 13 takes place. And it's, it's beautiful, it's poetic, it is gospel, uh, but we also need to recognize that uh, many times it's focused in an environment when we're concentrating and thinking on romance or on the love of God, God's love for us. And also, many times Christians have the attitude, well, the greatest of these is love, so forget everything else. And that is not what is being taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Uh, love is the greatest, but uh, faith and hope are also very, very vital in our lives if we're going to walk successfully and fulfill the, the commission and, and God's purpose for our lives. We, have to, we, we need to be learning how to put our trust and our confidence in him, responding to his voice with the spirit of faith, and also having hope that there is something great that God has in store for us so that our faith has something to work toward. So follow after me uh, uh, with this reading this morning. And again, just keep in mind that love is the greatest. We're, we're going to get to love. Uh, we're not going to talk that much about it this morning. This morning we're going to uh, primarily be talking about developing our faith in God. But they're equally, uh, not equally important. Love is the greatest. And just let me put it this way. Faith and hope do not produce love. But love and the love of God in your heart will result in having faith and hope in God. That's why love is the greatest. Great, uh, love produces faith and hope. Faith and hope cannot produce love. As a matter of fact, that's what that reading is, is about. When the Apostle Paul says, though I give my goods and I even sacrifice my body and I, and I, and, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. And so let's go ahead and start. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll begin reading at verse 1. He said, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but do not love others, I would be, only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And he goes on in the next couple of verses talking about uh, speaking in tongues and, and, and 
the gift of knowledge and so forth. Still the importance of love. But it's one, let's jump down now to uh, uh, verse uh, 12. It says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. So you know faith and hope are going to last forever along with love. So it says three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Let's read the first verse of the next chapter. Chapter 14, 1. It says, let love be your highest goal. How's that for a goal for 2023? What's your goal for 2023? I don't know. Uh, Okay, I'll give you one. (laughs) I'll give myself one. I'll give us all one. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. The rest of chapter 14 then goes on and talks about what's referred to as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge, prophecy, the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, and among others. There's nine of them listed in there, and it's talking about those gifts and one of the and the important ingredient in keeping all the gifts of the spirit which are vital uh, to the body of Christ accomplishing its mission here on the earth and it, it is that they need to be flowing from a foundation of the love of God they need to be rooted and grounded in God's love that's the foundation for uh, God's uh, spiritual gifts the power of God to be manifested but I wanted to emphasize that uh, Love is the greatest, and it should be your highest goal, but also be desiring special abilities, the, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. In, th- in this sense, again, I'm not going to be teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. I just want to make reference to them. I encourage you to read that and, and realize that they are within our arsenal, and we are to be tapping in on the gifts of the Spirit to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, but primarily want to be focusing on the idea that love is the greatest, but don't just forget about everything else. Say, all that matters is love. No, love needs to have faith and hope working together with it, and, and faith and hope definitely need to have the foundation of the love of God. So uh, in living by faith, which is uh, the, the way that it, it's uh, pleasing unto God, we are called in God's word to, to be living by faith. Matter of fact, Scripture teaches that, uh, that we are saved by grace through faith. So faith is that vehicle that brings us out of the kingdom of darkness and brings us over into the kingdom of God's dear son. That faith has come to us by hearing the gospel, by hearing how God so loved us that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us. And so we're going to be talking this morning and probably a little bit next week for, uh, on, on faith and then faith and hope. And then we will be getting into uh, also the greatest, making, making love your highest goal on the love of God. So today, living by faith. Everyone say, by faith. faith. I want you to just pay close attention to this statement because you may think I'm just uh, doing double speak here, but it's not. So listen to this. As a church, the church, the universal church, also this local church right here, Grace Church, we have a tendency to live by the faith rather than living by faith. The goal many times becomes to make sure that our beliefs are doctrinally sound 
and that all the people have a growing knowledge, academic knowledge many times, of the Word of God, rather than learning to live in a dynamic relationship, dynamic loving relationship with God through which we learn to be responsive to His voice. We make PhD material out of things that should be much simpler, but at the same time, very profound. And that we're not to call to live by the faith, but we're called to live by faith. Now, faith, the, the faith referred to as doctrine, being biblically sound, obviously it's very, very important. We're not going to live by faith if we don't have sound doctrine, but we need to learn. We want to be focusing on having this relationship with God, being rooted and grounded and established in the love of God to such a degree that it's normal for us to be responsive to the voice of God. We should be as responsive to the voice of God as all the characters we see throughout the Gospels. We should be as responsive as, as the man with the withered hand when Jesus said, stretch out your hand, and he just stretched out his hand. He didn't go back and say, let me see, where's my doctrine, where's, there's, you know. You know, Jesus said it, he did it. We should be as responsive as Simon Peter when he was fishing all night and he didn't catch any fish, and he came back in and they were cleaning, Jesus and his, uh, uh, Simon Peter and his crew were cleaning their nets, Jesus borrowed his, asked to borrow the boat, borrowed the boat, presented the gospel, and then he said, now, Peter, launch out again. Launch out into the deep waters again for a catch of fish. Peter's first response was, Simon Peter's first reaction was, uh, just did that. Been there, done that. But he recognized Something different about the voice, about the command of God, the voice of Jesus. Jesus said, launch out into a deep for a great catch of fish. And Simon Peter said, we did that. We worked hard all night, but we didn't catch anything. I love it when we have a tendency. I do it, and so many of us do it, is that what we're doing is not working, but we're still going to argue that this is the way it's done. This is the way you do it. And that's basically what Peter was doing there. He said, you know what? We fished all night. We worked really hard. Uh, I admit we didn't have success, but this is how you do it. And Jesus is saying com something completely outside of the parameters of what Peter was thinking because in the day they fished at nighttime, so the shadows of the boat, the shadows of the net would not, you know, would not uh, cause the fish to scurry away. You know, so that's why they fished at night. But here it's daytime, and Jesus is telling him to do it. And Peter's response was, even though he wanted to, his flesh, his mind wanted to push back and argue, he decided, he heard something in the command of Jesus when Jesus said, launch out into the deep water for a great catch. You know, sometimes God speaks to us. One of the most difficult things when God speaks to us, especially when he speaks to us in an area that we have just failed in. And he comes to us in his love and his mercy and he says, let's do that again. This time I'm going with you. Let's do it again. So let's be like Peter, the second part of Peter, not the first part. He said, no, 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 we, we tried that. We fished all night. We worked really hard. We didn't catch anything. But then he recognizes, now wait a minute, there's something different about this voice. There's something different about these words that I'm hearing. 
They're, they are a command from heaven. You know, you, you hear something and then you hear something else. And some words are just, you know, that they seem empty, but then you hear something like, wait a minute, there, there's, there's, something, there's something significant with what I just, what I just heard really registered in my heart. This is important. And Peter immediately had a change of heart and a change of mind, and he responded and he said, uh, but I will do what you say. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And if you're familiar with the story, they did, they, they did that. They launched back out into the deep waters. They let down their nets in broad daylight, and they caught so many fish that they had to call for their partners to assist them. And now they had two boatloads, two boatloads of fish so full that they were beginning to sink. All because he learned to live by faith. He learned to be responsive to the voice of God. So when I'm talking about faith, I'm not talking about faith in our world systems. I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about having a faith in God. Faith is faith, whether it's faith in the chair that you're sitting in, you sat down believing the chair would support you. Well, that's, that's natural faith, and you need that. You had faith that your car would bring you here this morning. That's good. You need to believe that. And it brought you here. Good for you. Some of you weren't quite so confident so that your car would start, so you decided you're going to watch online. Good for you. And some of you weren't confident your car was going to start, and you're not watching online because you're still sleeping. Not good for you. But... <laughs> Because faith comes by hearing, and, you need, and we need to be hearing the word of the Lord. Peter heard a word from God. The man with the withered hand, he heard from God. All through the scriptures, the lepers, they heard from Jesus when he said, go show yourself to the priest. They went. They responded to the word of God. So when we're talking about faith, we want to come to a place uh, that we are living in that dynamic relationship with, with God through which we learn to be sensitive to and responsive to his voice. We know when it's God speaking. We know it's the word of the Lord. And when it's the word of the Lord, that's what we are going to be responding to. Abraham, uh, in, throughout the word of God, he's known as our, our father of faith. When, and, and he, when God spoke to him, he obeyed. Hebrews 11, 8 tells us that by faith, he obeyed when he heard, when he heard from God. And it said he went out not knowing where he was going. He simply heard from God to leave where he was and to go to a place that is going to show him. And by faith, he obeyed him. And faith requires us to step out of the boat and to walk on uncharted waters. And not always knowing exactly how everything's going to end. Intellectually, we don't know how everything is going to end. But we know that we have faith in God. And when we have faith in God, he will never, ever let us down. So we want to learn to be responsive and, and, and develop a hearing ear to hear the voice of the Lord and to be responsive to that voice that we are hearing and, and, and living by faith in God. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. First couple verses. Whatever device you may be reading along on there, I, I caught myself saying, let's turn. You know, it takes a long time, <laughs> time to, to uh, keep up with technology. But anyway, so here we go. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the confidence that we, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. 
It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Notice that it's confidence for what we hope for. So it's important that you're hoping. And it also gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Confidence of things you're hoping for. And assurance or evidence of things that we cannot see. So when I'm talking about faith in God, everyone say in God. God. It's important that you realize that in the realm of the kingdom of God, it's a realm that's not visible to the natural eye. And by faith, we are able to see what God is speaking to us because we are hearing from him and it gives us the ability to, it gives us an evidence that what I'm not seeing with my natural eye, I'm not seeing it, but it must be so because God has declared it to be so. And when I believe that it's so and I begin to speak it and I begin to receive it, it comes into a, it becomes manifested, it becomes a reality in my life. So faith is, I like to define it like this. I like to define faith as a a conviction, a firm belief or a persuasion. A persuasion, a, a, a conviction, and a firm belief. It's much more than the creedal confessions or, the, or, or traditions or, or ceremonies. It's a vision in which one is compelled, compelled to action. Peter launched out in the deep. Peter got out of the boat when he saw Jesus on the water. He said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. He got out of the boat and he walked on water. Walking by faith, being responsive in faith, you will get out of the boat and you will walk across uncharted waters. And as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be just fine. Peter did take his eyes off Jesus for a moment and got his eyes on on the wind and the waves. And that's when he began to sink. And people many times criticize him. He got out of the boat and he sank. He didn't sink as he began to sink. But he and Jesus did walk back to the boat and they got into the boat. So until you have done that, like I have, I walked across Blue Marsh one time. It was was frozen, but I walked across. (laughs) So I can walk on water when it's cold like it was yesterday. But let's not be busting on Peter. He did get out, he walked to Jesus, and he and Jesus did walk back to the boat, and they got back into the boat. So the vision, it, it, faith is a vision in which we are compelled to, to corresponding action. In its simplest form, faith is putting corresponding action to what you believe to be true. What do you believe to be true? And what you believe to be true is not what you say you believe. It's what you actually do. It's a good place to say, preach it, Pastor Ray. (laughs) It's what we're doing. We, we, We are doing what we believe. We are doing what we are trusting in. We are not, you know, so it's more than just what we're saying, it's what we are doing. And that's when, so that's the lifestyle that we are called to. So let's continue to put our trust and our confidence in God and, and grow in that. So back to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 1 again. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And, and through their faith, the people of the days of old earned a good reputation. Are you earning? 
Are we earning, am I earning a good reputation as a person of faith, confident in God, trusting God? And verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that, we now, and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So everything we're seeing and experiencing now came from things that could not be seen because God saw it and God spoke it and it happened. It became so. But back to verse 2 again, just uh, uh, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. I want to leave us this morning with an example from Matthew chapter 8. And it's the story of the Roman centurion, uh, how he came to Jesus and he pleaded with Jesus to heal his servant. It's found in Matthew chapter 8. And it's an interesting story. And it's an interesting illustration on having faith in God and coming from a very unusual person, a Roman centurion. But nonetheless, this is who it came from. And, and Jesus noted this man's faith. Some, some translations say Jesus marveled at this man's faith and he declared that I've not seen such great faith, not even in Israel. And so I ask you this morning to think about it for a moment. Is Jesus... Uh, is Jesus... Uh, Aware of your faith? Is he marveling at your faith? Or is, or is it perhaps not even noticed? Not even really putting any corresponding action to it. I'm just kind of, well, I, I believe this and I believe that, but I'm not doing anything. You know, so here's, here's an example of faith that captured Jesus' attention. And personally, I want um, my life of faith, I want it to capture God's attention. I wanted to, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I, I want my faith to count for something. And, and I think you do as well. And you're here to, to worship. You're here to hear the word of the Lord. So that tells me that you're interested in, in, in developing your trust in God and having your faith count for something and having your faith being attractive to Jesus. And like Jesus said about this man, he said, I haven't found such great faith, not even in Israel. There's other places in scripture where he said uh, he couldn't do anything in, in, in his own hometown because of their unbelief. I don't want to be in that crew. I don't want to be in that group where Jesus is saying, you know what, I went there and it's not a thing I could do because they just, they, they, they didn't believe me. And there's nothing I could do. You know, some people say, well, God can do anything he wants to. He is God. Well, God chose to work through us and he chose for us to, uh, to trust him and, and, and to be confident in him and to uh, be responsive to his voice. And if we choose not to do that, he's not going to override our will. He's given us a free will. So in his own hometown, he said, I couldn't do anything because of their unbelief. I want to be in the camp that this Roman centurion's in where Jesus was marveling at this man's faith. And I believe you want to be in that same camp as well. So let's remain in that. Let's, let's come into that camp and let's grow in that camp. So in Romans chapter 8, uh, the story begins in verse 5. It says, when Jesus returned... To Capernaum, a Roman officer came and, and pleaded with him, said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in a, in, and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are now and my servant will be healed. I know this. Everyone say, I know this. I like that line. It says, I know this. 
Then he gives the explanation why he knows this. He says, I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, what he heard, what Jesus heard, he heard the, the Roman he, he heard the Roman officer explain why he has faith in Jesus. And when Jesus heard his explanation for why he has confidence that Jesus could heal him, he, Jesus said in, in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was amazed. Think about that. Where you are right now in your walk with God, would you have the confidence to say, Wow, Jesus was amazed at my faith. Sounds a little bit arrogant, but, <laughs> but really that's what he's looking for. How would he describe? How would your faith be described? Is it, is, is it attracting his attention or is he disappointed and saying, I, I wanted to do something with your life, through your life, but you wouldn't allow me to because you didn't believe like the people in his own hometown. I don't want to be in that camp. I want to be in the camp that captures the attention of God. So he said that uh, uh, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him. He said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So this faith that this man exhibited here was exceptional. This was faith in God. This was having a faith in God, an exceptional faith in God that captured God's attention. Jesus was amazed by it. And I want to just, uh, uh, and, and it's, a, it's the faith that we are called to. And I want to just draw your attention to, I, I, I have here three characteristics of this, Romans, of this uh, Roman officer's faith that we can work on and we can develop in our lives as well. And we can, we can grow in this and have our faith be attractive to God. And, and when it's attractive to God, when it captures his attention, the end result, the hope, the thing that this officer was hoping for, the thing that you are hoping for will be manifested. So here we go real quickly. We'll go through these and then you will be on your way. Three characteristics of this man's faith, or the Roman officer's faith. Number one, what I see here in this short story, number one characteristic I think was a, a, a major component of, a, of, of this faith that captured God's attention is that this was a man of compassion. Everyone say compassion. We could say love. You have faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Here's a Roman officer in the culture, in, in, the, in the position of authority that he was in. He was not obligated. No one would have thought anything ill of him if he would have simply dismissed this man, that was this young servant that was paralyzed and in terrible pain. He could have simply dismissed him and kept on going and replaced him with another soldier. No one would have thought anything of it. That was pretty normal protocol. That was protocol. But here's a Roman officer who has compassion, who has compassion on his servant. And compassion is what compelled him to cry out to Jesus, to petition Jesus to come and to heal him. He, he said, you know, he said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in terrible pain. So he had compassion for his servant. 
when we are men and women of compassion, when we have the foundation of the love of God, faith and hope will spring forth from that, from compassion. So be a, have a compassionate heart for people, and, and, and especially for those that you are in authority over. Don't run roughshod over people just because you have a title or you have authority over people. Be compassionate. Be merciful to all people at all times. And so that's the, that's the first component that I see here, the characteristic that I see that, that is attractive, that, 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 that uh, caused this man's faith to be attractive to Jesus. Compassion. Number two is that understood. He had an understanding of authority and submission. So he had a working knowledge of how authority and, and submission, how they flow together and how they work together, that he, he was in authority he was in authority. It tells us here that, uh, let me read verse 8. It said, the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to come into my house. Just say the word from where you are. That, that's powerful. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. Verse 9, I know this because I'm a man under, under authority. He's under authority. He's under the authority of the Roman government. He is an officer, but he's under authority, and he understands that all the power that he has, which he describes here, I can say to this one, go, to the other one, come, and to my other servants, do this, and they do it. He understood that all that authority that he had to speak his commands, he understood that it came because he, he, was, un, he was in submission to the authority. The authority's up here. Roman government, he's an officer, he's submitting to this authority, and because he's in submission to this authority, he has authority to speak and to tell someone to go, they go, others to come, they come, others to do something, and they do it. He understood that. And the, the New King James Bible says that he, when he's talking to Jesus, he's make, he's, he, it's, it's worded like this, he said, I also am a man under authority. He's talking to Jesus. If I'm talking to Jim Lanza and say, Jim Lanza, I also am what you are. He was basically saying, I am under authority. I also am a man under authority. He recognized that Jesus was under the authority of God. He was here and under being under the authority of God gave him the Jesus being submitted to God the Father even to the point of death is what gave Jesus rise to his authority while he was here on the earth to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to do the miracles because he was under the authority of God. And this Roman soldier, this Roman servant recognize that. And he said, that's what gives me. I understand this. I know that when you speak the word, my servant will be healed. I know this because I know how submission to authority works. When I submit to the proper authorities, it gives me authority. He understood that. And so you want, you want to, you want to, to uh, be mindful at all times. Am I properly submitted to the proper authorities that God has placed into my life? Am I submitted to the authority of the word of the Lord? Am I submitted to the Holy Spirit's voice, to his leading? Am I submitted to all other authorities that God has placed in, in, in my life? And we're all in different seasons of life and different positions in life, so there's variation in there for all of us. But when we learn to submit to the authorities that God has placed over us, that gives us authority. 
That's the second time you missed a great place to say, Pastor Ray, come at me. <laughs> submit it. Submit it to authority. In submission is what gives you authority. So the Roman officer was a compassionate man. He had a working knowledge of, of authority and submission. And he, and he flowed in that. And number th the second characteristic is that he had that understanding of, of submission to authority. Number three, he believed the spoken word. Everyone say believed. He believed the spoken word. In verse 8, he's, the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are. Just say the word from where you are. I know you are Lord. I know you're God. I know when you speak the word, demons flee, sicknesses yield. The paralytics rise up and walk. The deaf hear, the blind see. Multitudes are supernaturally fed with more than enough food left over. Miraculous provisions of all sorts, of all kinds, when you speak the word. I know that the earth was void and without form, but you said, let there be light and there was light. And you saw it and you said it was good. So the creative power of the spoken word, God setting the example. This man, being a Roman officer, understood it from a governmental level. And now he's recognizing that Jesus is here. And he realized that, you know what? Jesus could really take care of my young servant who's paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus could take care of this simply by saying a word. Just like I have authority to speak to my servants under me, Jesus has the authority to speak. And when he speaks, things happen. And so he's speaking and things are happening. And so compassion, understanding, authority, and submission, and Number three, he believed the spoken word. He said, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. When we come into a right relationship of living by faith in the Son of God and more than just living by the faith, the faith meaning you have an intellectual working knowledge of the scripture. You know the doctrinal, you, you know what's doctrinally accurate and what's not accurate and so forth and so on. You know that and you believe that, but that, doesn't, that does not in itself make you a person of faith because you're believing that, but you're not acting on it. I'm talking about being the person that's going to res be responsive to the commands of God, responsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us today. He's speaking, he's leading, he's guiding and directing, and I am responding to him. He said, just say the word, and then he declared, here's where hope comes in. That's what we have it all in there, F faith, hope, and love. He declared the end result. We're going to find out more about that. When you, are, when you are really get a grip on what faith in God looks like, you're going, to, you're going to purpose to have that foundation of the love of God, and you're going, to be, you're going to be training yourself to see the end result. That's hope. I'm seeing it. I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping with the eye of faith, and I am speaking it. He spoke the end result. My servant will be healed. And Jesus heard that. He was amazed. 
he was amazed. Please do not allow the, how do I want to put this? Don't, don't allow any of the negative experiences or, or negative examples or teachings or things that are in our culture today. You know, there's so much available at our disposal with all the media that we have now. I mean, you can Google faith and you can get all kinds of critiques on it and condemnation on it and you can get all kinds of examples as to why it should be critiqued and why it should be condemned. But put all that aside and say, and have a reset and say, God, I want to get this right with you. I want to, from the word of the Lord, I want to find out what does it really mean to be a person of faith that, that captures Jesus's attention. That's my heart's desire. Is that we just, you know, get, get ourselves out of the weeds and get, get back into a, a biblical foundation of what does it really mean to have faith, hope, and love and that the greatest of the three being love, which out of that love springs a faith that captures Jesus' attention, a hope that will never, ever allow you to be disappointed again because it's a reality. It's a hope that becomes a reality. It's not just something that's teasing you. It's not the carrot on the end of the stick and you never get to it. Bible hope is real. It's a confident expectation, and we can have that confident expectation. So begin to think about it, pray about it, read the scriptures, and continue to ask yourself, is is what I'm believing, uh, is what I'm acting on, is it attracting the power of God? Is it attracting the power of the Holy Spirit? Is Jesus... uh, uh, Paying attention to this because it's, it's, it's faith in him. Because when it is faith in him, Jesus is always amazed by it. it. It's not too small. There's nothing too small. And there's nothing too big. The first miracle that Jesus did was very, very insignificant in the big picture of things. He turned water into wine at a wedding. No one was dying. No one was paralyzed. No one was in pain. No one was going to die if Jesus didn't do a miracle. Everyone was going to be just fine. The only person that was feeling embarrassed at the most were the hosts of the wedding because they ran out of wine. They were embarrassed. And that small, it's embarrassment. When someone else is embarrassed, it's small. When you're embarrassed, it's big, right? (laughs) It's sort of like the difference between major and minor surgery. If I'm having surgery, it's major. If you're having it, it's minor or something. (laughs) But the hosts were embarrassed. And on that, Jesus did his first miracle. So there's nothing too small. There's nothing too insignificant for your faith to go into operations and and to call on God and say, you know what? I don't have a paralyzed servant and I don't have a servant that's in terrible pain, but I do have this little thing here that's kind of embarrassing to me. It's kind of, you know, it it might not seem like a big thing. Put your faith in it. Let God God be God. Amen? Amen? Let God be God. Start small and continue to grow and stay on the foundation of the love of God. Praise God. All right. So... Have compassion, work on that uh, submission to authority, understanding authority and submission, and believe the spoken word and speak the spoken and, and speak the word of God. Praise God. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be gathered together here today. Um, 
to, to worship you and to share the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for showing yourself strong in our midst in every season, wherever we are, at all times. And Lord, we thank you that we come into this life with you. Your scriptures teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. So we thank you in Jesus' name.